Got a unique show going on tonight. This is your host, Nick, from the Clemson Podcast. I'm joined tonight by Robert Reynolds, and he hosts the Damn Good Dogcast. We're doing a little bit of a neutral site podcast matchup here. Uh, we talked about getting together, previewing this Clemson-Georgia kickoff game, uh, the Dukes-Mayo Classic in Charlotte. And you know, instead of kind of us each going on each other's pod, we thought we'd stick with the neutral site theme that our game is and kind of just do one show and put it, put it out on both pods. So. Uh, Robert, thanks for having me on. Good to chat with you. Likewise, man. Thanks for having me on, too. It's just weird to say, but it's cool. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, man, this game, uh, it, we've had it circled on our calendar. It hasn't been scheduled for that long, but um, you know, it will have been seven years since Clemson and Georgia played. I feel like a lot of Georgia fans and Clemson fans would have expected to play in the playoff by now, but hasn't really panned out on either side. So excited this one's at our doorstep. Um, this offseason was long for us. I don't know about how you guys are feeling about it. But, it was it was um, extremely long. It was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, we've done a lot of like preview run up stuff. And I almost feel like, you know, it has taken forever to get here. But I think this week's going to go fast. You know, thank Well, I don't know, though. Like, I, I feel like it's coming by slower than, you know, just I think because the anticipation's building. So, I mean, right. like you got two shows on Ready. the DGD podcast coming up and. Oh my goodness, man. I can't wait for it. It's, it's here, but it's taken forever. It's like Christmas Eve, you know, you're just waiting for it, but it's never getting there. I, I feel that. And watching that like Nebraska, Illinois, and then UCLA Hawaii game, like that was, I'll be honest, that didn't really feel like good college football to kind of wet it was our terrible football. There. It was absolutely yeah. terrible. Yeah. Hopefully we get some other good games coming up this week, like Ohio state Minnesota's on Thursday. So um, but that's not what people came here to listen to. We want to preview this Clemson Georgia matchup. So why don't we do that? Hey, you know, that's that's where the money's at, man, right now. So makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I guess like as we kind of dive in and break this game down, um, I think I think everyone would agree that this really is going to be two of the marquee programs in the country facing off a really talented Georgia team that's really been on the rise under Kirby Smart. Uh, taking over from Mark Richt and then Clemson continuing its run um, at the top of the ACC, definitely in the national conversation. So this will be fun. Um, I think for me, when I've thought about this matchup this year, 
Um, Clemson's got a lot of turnover on offense. I know Georgia's had Georgia's probably one of the more consistent teams with its playmakers coming in. But then I know y'all have also encountered some injury misfortune um, here in the in the preseason and the, and the off season. So um, I kind of look at this as a tale of two really talented, really good defenses, and then some question marks on offense. Um, would you kind of agree with that? That being the case with Georgia. Um, I, I think so. I think you look at, you know, obviously with, at, with Georgia, right. You know, you bring back a receiver, you have a loaded receiver room, uh, you know, key additions, whether uh, Arik Gilbert, uh, obviously, you know, getting to that, you know, obviously he's away from the team currently, um, you know, and then you, like you said, the defensive side of the ball, right. You have a bunch of guys that we had uh, wanting to run it back for unfinished business, uh, obviously being the hashtag there, you know, Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt being the main two, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, which honestly are probably the X factors for this game, uh, which we'll probably talk about in a little bit anyway. Uh, but yeah. nonetheless, you know, a bunch of guys bringing it back, um, you know, left a sour taste in our mouth last year, right? There's, you know, obviously a tell of two teams uh, prior to JT uh, coming healthy and things like that. So obviously there's a lot to be answered from Georgia offensively, uh, defensively, you know, there's really some more question marks as well because, you know, Georgia loses all of its backs basically in the secondary, uh, all of your DBs, except for seeing in Chris Smith, uh, you know, you lose a count, right? That's a big guy right there, Stokes. You know, that's a lot of, lot to lose. You know, but the thing about Georgia is they're absolutely talented, but there's no – there's a lack of experience. So there's question marks, you know, here and there for both teams. Uh, and I think Saturday is going to be the – true litmus test to see where we stand both for Georgia and Clemson. I think you're right with that. And <clears throat> I think for a lot of, a lot of folks, uh, we'll start to look at, you know, Georgia does amass a lot of that talent, top two, top three recruiting classes, even number one recruiting class the last several years. Uh, can they kind of put that together here? And it's a little bit unfair because I think Georgia will be judged not on this Clemson game, but on the totality of the season and what they could do this year. And some, some people think it might be a, a setback season for Alabama. So the door might be open in the SEC for them to walk through it. Um, but it, you got to, got to face off with Clemson in week one with a lot of those question marks still looming. Same kind of goes for Clemson. We're going to have an easier ride through our conference schedule after this first week. But um, you know, we replaced two legends, pretty much the best two players of their position in Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence in Clemson's history. Some could say the ACC history. Uh, they definitely own a lot of records between the two of them. So um, the questions are more obvious on the offensive side, replacing those guys. Um, we've, we've got a lot of room for optimism on offense and on defense, not just, um, you know, bringing in some touted recruits, but also we get guys back that uh, suffered either injury or kind of COVID related outages last year um, that mm -hmm. are going to come in and really be um, difference makers from the start. I think any, any Georgia fan that only kind of checked in on this Clemson team in that Ohio state sugar bowl or, you know, our Notre Dame loss or even the Notre Dame win in the ACC title um, are going to see definitely some new impact makers come into this game. So um, the one, the one thing I, that we haven't mentioned yet, you know, Georgia not only has amassed a lot of talent in recruiting, but through the transfer portal, including one of Clemson's own and Darion Kendrick um, coming over, he's going to be a starting DB for y'all. So um, there's a little bit of a matchup in the matchup there from, from that perspective too. 
you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how this plays out because, you know, Darion coming over from Clemson to Georgia, you know, everybody wants to make that matchup looking at, you know, whether it's, you know, Nada or uh, Ladson or whoever, right? I don't think, yeah. I don't think you see Darion line up against uh, Justin Ross. I think he lines up in the slot, but, um, you know, whether it be Ladson or Nada, you know, everybody wants to look at that right there. But, you know, from the scope of things, right? Uh, Kendrick, you know, obviously everybody wanted to kind of bash him at first with why he left Clemson, uh, you know, and then when you realize what the situation was, right, like to me it was more understanding. And it's not just because he was coming to Georgia, but just in general trying to understand it. But, um, but obviously he feels the need that Georgia had uh, coming into the offseason and, and into the season with the, the lack of experience uh, in the secondary. You know, and obviously Tyke Smith as well coming from West Virginia, you know, both of those guys are impact players from day one, uh, immediate starters. Uh, Tyke Smith, you know, plans probably or projects to be in the star position, uh, which would have been against um, more than likely against uh, Justin Ross, uh, obviously with his injury and, and his questionable uh, tag right now. I think you look at Latavius Brini uh, probably playing the star there and kind of guarding up against uh, – Justin Ross, but, you know, to your point, you know, everybody wants to bash Darion off of his last game against Ohio state, but there was a lot more to it. If you watch this tape, you saw the, the ball skills, right. The, the ability to, you know, to do these things that a receiver could do, but obviously take it the, uh, take it the other way uh, and create turnovers. You know, one of my things that I do want to see how he, you know, adjusts uh, with coming over to Georgia is his ability to, you know, come down and tackle. Uh, Kirby really wants those cornerbacks to be physical, you know, to be tackling, uh, come down hard, things like that. Uh, you know, and I think he was more known for his coverage at Clemson. Uh, you don't really see a lot of, you know, come down, tackle type things like that. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, there's some question marks even there. But, um, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he looks like in red and black. Yeah, I think you're right. I think um, you know he's a converted, uh, came in as a five star wide receiver talent. He was a quarterback in high school, and to see him flip over to the to that side of the ball two seasons ago um, was exceptional, and just speaks to the guy's talent. And actually, to be honest, the guy's hunger and really his selflessness for the team just wanted to contribute. So. Um, you know, ultimately, we were sad to see him go. Um, I, there were a lot of kind of off-field incidents go surrounding, you know, his departure from Clemson. But I don't think there's really any hard feelings from Clemson fans there. Uh, I would have loved to see him not go to a team we're facing off week one. And I do know he knows that offensive playbook pretty well. But um, we will see. I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily know that him moving over to, over to Georgia dooms Clemson. Um, and I don't know, that even if he has all the secrets of our playbook, defense still has to execute against us and, and all that good stuff. So um, it'll just be a good footnote for this game and an interesting, interesting uh, thing for sure. No, absolutely. You know, like you said right here, the, the hard feelings, you know, I would like to think that Clemson, you know, holds no grudges or anything, but you know, obviously there's that patch of fans that are going to do that regardless. Um, yeah. You know, but I think what Darian wanted was, you know, to go to a contender. And obviously even though Clemson is a contender, 
you know, the fact that he was leaving Clemson kind of leads you to, you know, to a place like Georgia or, you know, obviously your Ohio State, things like that. But, you know, I think you look at the immediate plan time at Georgia, I think it was kind of a glaring call to him. Uh, so it kind of made sense and lined up for why he come to Georgia. Um, you know, it just so happens we're playing week one, right? We're playing this Saturday. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, but I mean, it is what it is. But like you said, after this game, you know, there's a lot more to uh, Darion's game. And, you know, obviously after this game for Georgia, you know, there's, you know, you got the SEC gauntlet, right? And, and honestly, in the East, uh, SEC East right now is down uh, in a hole, in my opinion. Um, so Georgia really has to take advantage of this because right now, you know, everybody is on the board that, you know, Georgia's head and shoulders and even a body length away uh, from everybody else. So we have to make sure that that happens and you need good play. Uh, in your secondary and with the experience, I think he helps, uh, whether it be Keely Ringo, uh, Amir Speed, maybe get his uh, time to shine. Uh, you know, you got Jalen Kimber as well. Uh, get those guys spun up uh, and, and obviously get them ready for a potential playoff push. Yeah, I want to I want to maybe break this. Let's keep it with Georgia's defense and we can talk a little bit about when Clemson has the ball, what Georgia tries to get done. Um, just for a little bit of background for the Clemson listeners and maybe the Georgia listeners, hoping for a deeper look. Um, Clemson coming into this game, I think last year, the one glaring you know, weak spot of the offense was going to be in the running game. So uh, we did have Travis Etienne. So how could it possibly be a weak spot of the team? Um, his yards per carry average was down considerably. He, I think, only went over 100 yards in a couple of games this last year. And just that yards per carry was a career low for him really struggled in that interior part of the offensive line to get the ball moving. And especially against elite defenses, um, like you saw against Notre Dame, really in all three matchups. And then especially in the first one and then against Ohio state, of course. So uh, life will not get easier against Georgia in the running game. Um, I feel like stopping the run is something that is just natural and endemic to Kirby smart defenses. Um, especially with what Georgia brings in what they call the mint front. So mint, like the, what is it? The herb. Um, it really is a three, four down uh, or three, four alignment where basically three, three down linemen, you pretty much need all five O-line blockers to kind of handle those three down linemen, the way that the, the alignment sets up and um, running the ball is just really challenging, you know, between um, in, in the A gaps uh, because Georgia also brings up linebackers, you know, to fill those run gaps uh, behind the nose tackle. So, um, you know, for me, if Clemson is not able to get its inside zone run scheme moving early against that front, and you mentioned Jordan Davis, he's their, you know, all world senior returning nose tackle. Um, I believe he was a five star. You could tell me otherwise. Um, no, he was a, actually a three star coming out of high school. Oh, interesting. So he's, he's really just grown into that position and, and showed out. Um, in Absolutely. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I know a couple, couple of shows, man. I, I like to tell people and tell the audience that stars don't mean a thing. It's just for amusement. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I agree with you. And some of Clemson's, you know, legends, especially in the modern era, like we, we've definitely seen the star rating improve and all that, but Clemson's not known to be a top three, top five class. Our two national titles of late all happened when we were in the, probably the eight, nine, 10, 11 national ranking average. So it's about fit. It's about guys that, 
you know, fit the, fit the scheme, fit the defense, fit the culture. And, um, sounds like he, he was a good pickup. Um, so anyway, I mean, I, I think that's going to be something to watch for early. If you, if you do see Clemson, uh, with its new stable running backs and new faces, uh, not be that effective in inside zone running. I think there are some adjustments Clemson can make. And, um, you know, that's going to be getting the running backs involved in the passing game. A couple names to throw out at you. I, I think probably our most effective runner between the tackles is going to be Kobe Pace. I think you'll see him split starting duties with Lynn J. Dixon. I think you'll mm-hmm. see a healthy dose of both of those guys. Uh, but the guy that we're all touting and really excited to see get involved in the offense is this guy named Will Shipley. He's from Fresh North Carolina. Out of Charlotte. Yeah. That's right. So homecoming for him. He hasn't been gone long, uh, but he enrolled in this in, in, basically in January for spring ball. And uh, he's going to be a lot more of an effective pass catching option, which that was really ETN's calling card this last year where he really established himself and bolted up into the first round. So uh, to me, that's one of the aspects they can do. Um, I'm sure you know you could tell me about how much Kirby Smart likes to not get burned by quarterback runs. Um, but DJ Uyunglele is, you know, is, is a physical, tall, large human being, a quarterback. And I imagine you will start to see him get involved in some of the run plays as well. Yeah, I would, you know, looking into it, right. I think from a defensive standpoint, right. I, you know, obviously with Clemson losing ETN, that's, that's huge. I, I think, and no, no disrespect to Trevor, but I think uh, Trevor was, or Travis was probably your most impactful player. Um, and honestly, I think this goes both ways for Clemson and Georgia. The effectiveness of the running backs, whether it's, you know, establishing your run game or utilizing them out of the backfield in the receiving game, whoever can do that the most effectively, I think really holds the upper hand and per- perhaps could be the deciding factor in the game. Um, you know, talking about Will Shipley, you know, ever, if you're not familiar, Georgia fans, five-star out of Charlotte, um, one of the best all-purpose backs that there was. Uh, and, and watching this tape, kid is fast, great hands, you know, great in space. Uh, Georgia, we know how this goes, guys. Last year, you know, you can make all, we can make all the excuses we want. You know, Dan Mullen burned us, killed us with the will route. So we have to yeah. be prepared for, you know, run, running backs out of the backfield. But with with DJ, you know, I'm I'm making the assumption here, Nick, that I think you're going to see some RPO here, um, you know, and, and the reason why I think you're going to see short intermediate RPOs uh, is the you know the replacing or the replacement uh, for a couple guys on your offensive line. Um, it's really going to make an impact, you know, from the trenches. Uh, you know, I think you lose your center, you lose your left tackle. Um, yeah. And, you know, with, with Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt coming back, I think you also lost your right guard. You're having to replace that as well. Um, that, that, to me, is going to be the key matchup, the offensive lines versus the defensive lines. You know, you can, totally. you can call out any matchup you want. Ultimately, I think whoever's offensive line handles the pressure the best because both defensive lines are ridiculous. Yeah. They really whoever are. can handle whoever yeah. can handle the pressure the best and keep their quarterback upright is going to win this game. But DJ's athleticism, you know, is a little bit better than JT's. That being said, you know, there's a little X factor there that could, you know, that bodes well for Clemson. Um, but I think Georgia's going to get to DJ, and I think 
Brzee, Miles Murphy, and all those guys are going to get to JT. So it's just yeah. a matter of limiting your quarterback getting hit. And part of what I was thinking about and looking at Clemson released a depth chart today, and I'll be honest, it didn't say much because we had a lot of this guy or this guy will start. And like, we all know Will Shipley is going to get a lot of reps in this game. Right. So uh, what I'm interested in is, you know, which running back option presents the best, the best potential for Clemson from a pass blocking standpoint, uh, from a pass rush blocking standpoint, you know, pass protection, because Clemson last year, you are right about the fact that, you know, there's some turnover on the O-line, but that was not Clemson's weakness. Clemson had a top 20 O-line, you know, by the advanced stats in terms of, quarterback pass protection. Um, I also feel like DJ against Notre Dame showed a ton of poise last year. Um, them and Boston college brought the house. They're like, you know, we're not letting this guy beat us. Let's throw all kinds of looks at him. He picked all that up. He handled it and had a great game against Notre Dame. So, um, the game within the game, I, I feel like here for Clemson is can DJ get enough time to, try to pick apart that, that young, inexperienced Georgia defensive secondary? Um, or are we going to have off- offensive line issues with an aggressive Georgia front? And probably Kirby's going to bring the blitzes. If, if that three can't get home, um, you are going to see linebackers get into the backfield. And looking at, right. the, looking at the offensive line, right, I know um, it's projected your left tackle, if I'm not mistaken, could be about, let's say, like 6'2". Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And so one he's got of, a one crazy of, big, he's got a pr- crazy big wingspan, um, mm-hmm. but he's not, not a, not a specimen in terms of height. That's true. Gotcha. I, yeah. I think one of the things from my standpoint, right. I think, you know, I think we're both going to be keying in on defensive line and how, you know, just your front four or your front three uh, can generate pressure. Um, yeah. You know, looking at what, you know, looking at what the offensive, you know, weapons that y'all have right at, at Clemson, you know, I think it's going to be beneficial if you can get guys like Jordan Davis and, you know, Devontae Wyatt, um, you know, depending on if you put Trayvon Walker, I think Trayvon Walker is a name that, you know, Clemson fans may want to get prepared because that is a, that is a physical specimen when you're 300 pounds and, and running. I don't know if you heard about this. I'm in a little side story, but uh, some athleticism yeah. about him, uh, Tank Bigsby uh, basically runs, runs him down, uh, basically guarding him. Uh, you know, and, and breaks up a pass down the field at 300 pounds. That's, that's crazy. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I'm really interested about is that left tackle. I know you said he's got uh, a great wingspan, um, but, you know, Nolan Smith is looking to take over for Aziz. And yep. one of the things that I'm curious to see what happens is, you know, with, with longer, right, with taller uh, tackles, things like this, uh, Nolan seems to have, have some struggles sometimes uh, creating yeah. separation. You know, with him being 6'2", I'm curious to see how that changes. Um, you know, and obviously I think you look at it uh, from from your side of things, right, uh, whether it be Miles Murphy or Brzee or KJ Henry or whoever, um, you know, yeah. creating havoc for our left tackle. You know, right now, you know, you're, you could see uh, Amarius Mims. I think you might see uh, Jamari Sawyer. I, th- I think that might be the – you know, the move there, I think you have to kind of have some experience along the offensive line, but honestly, right now it's a toss up and whoever we trot out, you know, I have to feel comfortable about, uh, that's just a good problem to have, right. but it's going to be interesting to see if they do trot out like an Amarius Mims, 
um, at left tackle because that front four is ridiculous. Right. So, yeah. And it, it's also interesting here too, um, kind of on both sides of the ball, you know, tight end is a question mark. Uh, George has had some injuries here um, to Washington on their side of the ball. Clemson as well. Um, we, it's not an injury story, but it's one of will Clemson see Davis Allen, who's probably the more, more pat, more blocking centric tight end uh, between him and Braden Galloway. You know, is he going to get more of these snaps to try to, you know, chip guys or get that much more pass protection involved? Um, and then let it be the Justin Ross show or the Joe and Gata show, um, you know, on the outside and downfield. So, um, yeah, I, I honestly think this game is going to be dictated by the trenches entirely. And I will, I got to put the edge on the defense in both battles on both sides of the field. So that would generally lead you to believe that this could be a low scoring game. I believe the over under last time I checked it a couple of days ago was 52 and a half. Um, so that's probably generous, expect a game in the, but that's kind yeah. of generous. Expect a game in the mid twenties, according to that. But uh, yeah, I think it, especially you got jitters early on, you know, first game of the season, you know, new guys fitting into their roles um, could be interesting, but you know, maybe to, maybe to wrap it up while Georgia is on defense, Clemson's got the ball. Um, if you're a Clemson fan and you're looking for any type of hope in this game, I think you look no further than that, that cocktail party game last year against Florida where Kyle Trask um, early on, he took some shots, but he's, he hung in there and threw for almost 500 yards against Georgia. You mentioned, you know, the running backs involved in the passing game. I think there were some um, sort of like slower developing plays that Florida took advantage of. I want to say there were some injuries on Georgia's side and some, some ejections in the game too. So, you know, and it was a COVID year stuff's a little bit weird, but I mean, I guess if you're a Clemson game, you're, you're kind of looking to that, that offensive explosive performance for Florida as, you know, signs of hope because Clemson does have a, a very, you know, heavy rotation of playmaking guys as did Florida last year. Yeah. Um, I was just going to ask you like high level, what, cause down the stretch, you mentioned kind of things settled down a little bit for Georgia uh, more on the offensive side, but um, what about that Florida game was more of a fluke, would you say defensively? From a defensive standpoint, I, like I said, don't take it as me making excuses. I, I we just got flat yeah. out beat. Um, but one of the things that I do think the the key impact of you know having several starters out uh, can truly make a difference, especially when uh, you know Dan Mullen's offensive mind you know has the generational talent like a Kyle Pitts, like um, Kyle Trask. Right when you have that combination of you know basically high-powered potency, you know, you look at you look at the weakness from the defensive side of the ball, and really when Seam went out as well, you really had a lack of depth, like a true lack of depth in the safety position, and it cost us, um, you know, and really, and it's not even just that. Everybody looks at the wheel routes, and rightfully so. You know, you look at guys, the linebackers were not in the right spots. They took bad angles, you know, things like that, and they got beat. So, you know, that is, it, that's the sugar bowl for us, man. Everything you just said, I could spit right back at you about the sugar bowl with depth, with guys out of position. Um, and it can get away from you in a hurry, even if you have a talented defense, even if you have an aggressive front, like a few, a few hiccups in the back end and it, it's tough to overcome. 
Absolutely. And one of the, I think one of the things that I'm curious to see about as well with Clemson, um, your, your linebacking core, um, looking into, you know, some vulnerabilities, trying to find these weaknesses, things like that. The Ohio State game, I know it may have been a one-off for the most part, but it really yeah. opened my eyes to the linebacking core and the inability to cover effectively. Um, right. you, you look at you look at Skalski, right? Skalski is going to be a huge impact player. I think he's out the first half. Is that right? Uh, oh, good question. Is that, is that transferring? Um, I think that might be transferring over from last year. I'm not sure. It should. I, I forget what point of the game he went out. If it was in the second quarter, I thought it maybe in the second. Oh, regardless, I know he got okay. ejected for targeting, yeah. but uh, right, you know whether right. he's in or whether he's in or not. I think one of the things about Skalski, I love his instincts kid is affect like his ridiculous instincts but the one thing about it though and I think Georgia really has to do this uh you know not not mirror 100 percent but just try to replicate something uh, and you know get the get the linebackers into a covered situation uh you know your secondary is going to be just fine your front four you know just give just give JT enough time but you got to really find the weakness and I think from a coverage standpoint it might be the linebackers. So I think from an offensive standpoint, Georgia has to sit here and attack the linebackers, whether that's, you know, whether you look at a guy like Brock Bowers taking over for Darnell, you know, with Darnell probably that's not tight playing. End, right? um, yeah. You know, you still have Fitzpatrick. You know, we talked about running backs. You know, utilize your James Cooks, right? Utilize your um, Kenny McIntosh. You know, get them into space and force a running back or a linebacker on them. You know, I, I think – that's going to be the key as well from an offensive standpoint for Georgia, you know, but you also have the, the depth at receiver that Georgia's not really used to having, you know, and you look at, you look at the guys that we have, you know, even with Pickens being out, uh, Arik Gilbert being out, you know, you still have Jermaine Burton, you have Kiaris, uh, a couple guys that, you know, you may not, you may have not heard yet. Uh, Adonai yeah. Mitchell, uh, Lad McConkey, I think could be a very, um, big piece from the slot, uh, Arian Smith, uh, you know, guys returning from injury, Marcus Rosemey, uh, Jack Saint, uh, you know, Dominic Blaylock. We, we have a ton of depth, but I think this is where JT is going to come in and make the changes that we didn't see until he came in last four games of the season last year. I think he hits shots that we need to do. And looking back at Florida, if we if we hit a couple passes, that game is nowhere out of the. It's literally a one score game. Right there's you know, so I think JT brings the execution that we need, and that right there could be the the deciding factor, really. Yeah, you, you did mention a, a couple. Of, I was thinking about the question like how would how would I recommend you attack Clemson and. I do think putting our linebackers and honestly our safeties also in conflict in the passing game um, is something that, that I would recommend doing. Um, I think what, you know, what Clemson hopes um, prevents that from being too effective a strategy is getting a quick pass rush on. And you, you mentioned Brian Brzee, he's a defensive tackle uh, top rated in the country in the 2020 recruiting class. Uh, we get a couple other guys back, Justin Foster and Xavier Thomas, both guys who were hampered, hampered by COVID last year. Justin Foster gave up football. He was actually our best defensive line player um, in the 2019 season. Um, 
and he was one of the guys on defense that kind of stood out against LSU that had a pretty good game in that, in that matchup. Um, I also think how I would test this run defense is, um, or test Clemson attack Clemson is see what you can get done in the inside zone running game. Um, we're really fond of Tyler Davis in that, in that aspect on our defensive line as well. Um, but teams have proven the ability to, you know, beat Clemson or, or get theirs in the running game. Um, Notre Dame did a little bit in the first matchup and then Ohio state did with Trey Sermon. There, there are definitely some depth issues on Clemson's team in both of those games, but um, either way, I feel like that's something I would probably test out with Georgia. And look, I mean, it's, I don't have to tell you, like that is how Georgia that's the meal ticket is, is the running backs. Right. So we definitely expect Zamir white. He was a former Clemson recruit. Um, went to the, went to the dogs along with Salyer, you mentioned earlier too. Uh, that combo of guys could definitely come back to hurt us a little bit here. So I would try those out. And then, then the tight ends, I know you mentioned Washington's out. I don't know if Reed Gilbert profiles more as a like oversized receiver tight end, or if he's actually a receiver, but not having him for this game and not having Washington, I think is um, you're happy if you're a Clemson fan, you hate it for those kids. But um, like you mentioned, you guys still have some dudes behind them coming in. So uh, those are all areas I think like Clemson, if, if, if our pass rush isn't effective, you know, those, those are areas that uh, JT Daniels and the dogs can move the ball. You know, I, I think to add on before we talk about how to attack the Georgia defense, one thing that I want to talk about the Clemson defense that I think will be beneficial for the offense of Georgia tempo. One of the things that, you know, yeah. Clemson's defense is extremely complex. It's extremely complex. The thing, the the way to to get the confusion, you know, is, is to run tempo, uh, and especially after uh, an explosive play. Uh, you know, you look at, you know, Ohio State did it perfectly, right? It was it was the you couldn't have asked for a better playbook in regards to explosive plays. You you hit an explosive play, you're sprinting to the ball, and, and if you watch this, and I know you did just the pure chaos, whether from the linebacking core to the safeties, it, it just created, you know, ultimately touchdowns for, you know, for Ohio State, almost walk-in touchdowns based right. off of, you know, whether it be running or, you know, a design play to just open it wide open uh, from the passing game. So I think that's another thing that Georgia has probably taken into consideration. And I, I think that's how, how you have to do that. Uh, you know, and, and really with tempo, if you run tempo, you know, it's going to test Clemson's depth. Um, you know, obviously everybody knows Brzee, Miles Murphy, you know, KJ Henry, those guys. You know, for me, I haven't done enough research to really understand what lies behind those guys. I know, you you know, mm-hmm. there's – look, it's Clemson. They're well-coached. Right. I don't care who you say they're well-coached with Brent Venables. You know, right. but the depth and rotating in and out could play another key factor, especially in the trenches like we talked about. So I think you have to run tempo if you're Georgia's offense. Yeah. Look, Ryan Day, all credit to him. Honestly, all credit to Virginia Tech. And honestly, Will Muschamp and South Carolina two, three years ago, I forget exactly which year, um, they racked up, I think it was like 30 points. I should know this better. They're our rival. But um, they, and again, Will Muschamp shouldn't take all the credit for that happening, but they figured something out in the Clemson defense that you can rush your plays in, you know, mess with the timing and, and mess with this defense. And I'll tell you, like, Brent Venables has acknowledged this, and you really don't get Brent Venables 
with the same thing twice too often. Like anytime you kind of find something that you can, you can peel away. He's a mad scientist. He goes into the lab. The guy probably slept two hours a night for the last six months trying to like scheme this out and figure this out. My hope is he, he uses the old adage, don't let perfect be the enemy of good and figure out, you know, your play calls in advance and, you know, don't need to pick a, pick apart the perfect, you know, read on what formation the offense is showing to call that in. Um, I think one thing that, that definitely fr- flustered that defense this last year was missing Skalski for part of that game and missing Nolan Turner, our, you know, veteran starting safety. I think having those guys in this game, just from a continuity and communication standpoint, they'll be able to communicate the calls. They'll be able to get, get that handled. Um, it's definitely a concern. Don't get me wrong. I think it's something that they will be able to handle. Um, but if not, could make for a long day. I think you're right about that. You know, and, and honestly, you kind of look at that with at Georgia, right? And I think this is a perfect transition to how to attack Georgia. You yeah. know, one of the things that Georgia relies on is stopping the run. And we, we've done it year in and year out, especially with, you know, with, with Kirby there. Uh, you know, Dan Lanning is a great defensive coordinator. Now, you know, I still have to give credit to Brent Venables probably for being a little bit better, but Dan Lanning is right there at his feet, right? I, I think you have to look at it that way. But, um, but that's, what, that's something that last year, you know, we took real, a, a, a good amount of pride in, and that's stopping the run. And we've been doing it for year in and year out. One of the things that I'm curious about is attacking the edge. You know, I think with Aziz being there, right, and him, him being gone now, Aziz last year was great at setting the edge. Not only was he great at passing, uh, rush, uh, pass rush, he also set the edge extremely well. And to yeah. me, you know, does Nolan Smith translate to that, right? Does that translate with Nolan Smith? You know, I think you look at rot- rotating guys in, you know, depth is not an issue there. I think it's just a matter of being able to set the edge because if we're able to set the edge, that that initiates the run stopping. Yeah. Um, so you I think flush them inside right and there, then they get eaten up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's – look, Georgia's full of speed. We're, we're ridiculously fast, right? Our linebackers fly to the ball. You know, you're not going to see guys shy away from contact. We'll take on – 300, you know, the linebackers will take on 300-pound guards, right, pulling guards. It happened against Bama last year. Guys are not afraid to come down, pop guys, set the, you know, set the, you know, basically close holes, create, you know, stop runs, right? But the thing is, is setting the edge. You know, can Nolan Smith set the edge? You know, I think you look at Adam Anderson. You know, that's a name that everybody's aware of elite pass rush he's going to the nfl and i think he's going to be a a specified niche pass rusher um Mm -hmm. you know but if he's in you know whether it be situational but if you you know you still have to be able to set the edge and can those guys do that you know i think first from that level that first level that's what georgia has to do and clemson has to test that right after that you know you look at the kobe dean in the middle about as good a middle linebacker as you're finding in the country. Very extremely smart. Extremely smart. You know, your linebackers, you know, are very sound, very fast, and they cover well. So I don't know if Clemson should attack that, uh, you know, unless you start to look at guys getting out the receivers in the backfield, right? Get them out of the backfield, running downfield, 
and force your linebackers to make the calls and cover guys the way they need to be. If they can do that, it could be, I'm not saying that it will be, but it could be another Florida if they don't do the right things and go with their coaching. Nick, so we've been talking for several minutes now about key matchups, right? Going in depth, uh, you know, small little matchups. But let's look at a grand scheme of things. You know, what in your eyes uh, is the key for a Clemson victory this Saturday? Yeah, it's a really great question. So um, I could see this game breaking Clemson's way in a number of different aspects. And I'm going to I'm going to start by talking about when Clemson's got the ball. So we've talked a little bit about how Georgia um, really thrives on stopping the run. Um, I think that's a weakness of Clemson's football team last year. There's already questions about you know who's going to start at center. Some of that stuff is getting sorted out um, this week, but open question marks there. So I think if Clemson is able to run the football, move the chains, and actually you know run it in inside zone as they like to do, very good sign for a Clemson victory. If they can't do that, which is what I'm expecting, I think that's where we fall back on the role of Will Shipley in the passing game. He's a running back, you know, very capable freshman coming in. You saw what Florida was able to do last year against Georgia. Uh, with the wheel route, with other running back passes. A combination of Shipley and Justin Ross in the slot with like rub routes and slants. They can move the chains that way and be efficient. If you are starting to see that be successful, that'll go a long way toward a Clemson win. The other the other area that is going to have to happen is pass protection. If they can keep DJ upright, I think Clemson's got the weapons and I like the matchups against Georgia's secondary for Clemson to be able to come away with some explosive plays and really you know, be able to put points on the scoreboard in this game. Um, what I would look for, Darion Kendrick is very capable. I would try to challenge and test him, um, but also the other side of the ball, I don't know the starter um, opposite um, Darion Kendrick, DK, but um, I think, you know, Georgia does bring back safety depth, safety talent, uh, but it's really a new secondary. So I would be looking to the other side of the field to challenge um, based on how they, they line up those matchups. Um, yeah. Those are some of my keys on the offensive side, but really for me, it is it is all about pass protection uh, because I think this is going to be a game where DJU's arm is going to have to win the day. Uh, conversely, if I'm Georgia and I'm game planning, I try to get DJ into a situation where you're you're confusing him. You know, he he did not look rattled at all against Notre Dame last year. They're a good defense. I would argue Georgia's a better defense than Notre Dame. Make DJ throw across his body. Make him throw across the field. That was where he was a little bit inaccurate last year. I don't think he had any any near near picks, but um, that would be an area where I think he's going to be worse than Trevor Lawrence. Is like throws across to the to the opposite side, um, and you know anything Georgia can do to make Clemson one dimensional, make us beat you by running the ball. Um, that would be what I would I would try to get done. I, like, I welcome you to comment on any of that. <laughs> no, you know, looking at my thing, you know, looking from a Georgia standpoint, right? I think Georgia has to do a couple things. Uh, and, and somewhat similarly to what Clemson has to do uh, to be able to come out with a win this Saturday. And I think the first thing is first is to you know, to really get DJ Uyulunglele, uh out of a rhythm. Never let him get into a rhythm, shall I say. Right. You look at you look at the receiving core. It's a really deep receiving core that Clemson has. Uh, Justin Ross finally coming back. Right. Said before that Justin Ross is going to get his. Right. You just have to limit how much he gets. And I, yeah. uh, obviously looking at injuries that George is facing this week, you know, you're looking at guys like Latavius Brindy coming in. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, opposite of DK, right? I think you look at guys maybe like Amir Speed, um, Keely Ringo, Jalen Kimber. 
you know, who is going to be that second guy? And who, and you have to be ready to go because Clemson, look, y'all's receivers are tall. You know, that, that you're going to get these 50 50 balls. You know, that's, that's a, uh, that's a real big size advantage. You know, so, you know, you have to play physical. You know, on defense, play your brand of football. Georgia's been known to stop the run, and Clemson having, you know, issues last year, even dating back to last year, you know, continue, make that a continuance, right? I think you have to do that. You know, and then from an offensive standpoint, you know, obviously whoever makes these, uh, you know, uh, what is the word? Uh, explosive plays, I should say. There we go. You know, if, if, yeah. you, if Georgia makes an explosive play, run tempo, right? That's that's something that Clemson struggled with a little bit last year. You know, I, I, I'd like to see, you know, Georgia sit there and run tempo. First game, though, you do question the, you know, the uh, your cardio, right? Your, your, you know, that's always a key there, right? Conditioning. The conditioning yeah. is always a key first game, you know, because it's not, you know, that's the. First I think it's gonna game. be hot in Charlotte too, right? I have. Oh, it's gonna I be. It's the... gonna be hot. I don't care what a night game is. Look, in, in Charlotte, it's a night game. That doesn't matter. It's still hot and humid. So you know, George. You know, favor favorably, Georgia plays in the heat, right? Like that southeastern brand of football, Clemson does too. I'm not gonna say that they don't. You know, it's gonna be hot and it's gonna take a toll. So another thing, I guess, which leads me into my second piece of what I think Georgia has to do. Stay fresh on the defensive side of the ball. You've got the depth, especially along the defensive line, right? I think you're going to see guys like Jordan Davis have a field day, right? You know, whoever whoever Clemson decides to run out at center, uh, whether it be, you know, I don't even know your guys, but it, there could be possibly multiple guys. You never know, right? So Jordan Davis has to have a great game. I think he will have a great game, you know, but then you look at the depth, right? Because four quarters, night game, you know, this type of teams, you know, it's going to be a, a testament of depth. And, and I think Georgia's quality of depth that we have, especially in the defensive line, can bode well for us. But we have to have those guys behind Jordan Davis, behind Devontae Wyatt, ready to go. And they have to come out and they have to play a damn good game of football. You know, and like I said, if you can limit DJ Uyelongle running as well, because with his athleticism, that is an extension of the run game. Right. You know, you, I, I think Will Shipley, you're probably going to see him come out of the backfield. Linebackers need to make sure they're running the right angles, things like that, to limit these, you know, to limit these kind of explosive plays out of the backfield. If they can do that, I think, and execute on offense, you can look at Georgia coming away with a win this Saturday. Yeah. What I would say almost as a, a counter to that is um, you're definitely right. Some question marks up front. Um, Clemson does have decent depth this year in the offensive line, which was not the case a year ago. I think you had 90% of the snaps go to the starting five, or maybe it was like a six man offensive line last year. Um, this year, a lot more depth, you know, some of that good recruiting started to pay off. So while I would say our tried and true center is not really solidified, I think there are some moves and adjustments the coaching staff can make to try to find that right combination, but it's going to be unproven. And against an elite nose tackle like Jordan Davis, um, that's going to be, that's something Georgia could exploit. So I think that is, that is where you try to create a numbers advantage with DJ in the running game or the run pass option um, and try to find those, those leak out opportunities with either the tight end or, or with Shipley. Um, that's my thought. What yeah, I would know, say, okay. oh, go, ahead. go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was going to flip it actually to talk about, um, you know, you talking about JT Daniels and the Georgia offense. I was going to make, kind of some comments about that side of the ball and expectations. 
Um, don't know if you had anything else to comment on, you know, with Clemson's offense, but um, clearly the strength of Georgia's team is going to be their defense. And I think I, honestly, that's, that's likely to be the case for Clemson here as well. That being said, in the last few years, it really has not ever been the offense that has let us down. There's maybe a couple of games where that was true kind of regular season. Um, so I expect, you know, DJ showed himself to be capable under the bright lights against Notre Dame last year. I don't think he'll be rattled in this performance, but are there things that a much, much more aggressive, talented Georgia D can do to disrupt him? I'm sure that there are, and I'm sure we will see those. Um, but I, I think the bigger question marks that a lot of people have about Clemson is what type of defensive out- output are you going to get? And in past years you had, you know, against Ohio state against Notre Dame in the middle of the season and against LSU, um, we didn't really see that aggressive smash mouth brand of Clemson defense. And that leads a lot of people to question like has Brent Venables lost a step Has Clemson's defense taken a step back. I'm here to tell you that they have not. Um, we have reloaded on that defensive line and it's not just recruits coming in. It's actually veteran guys who are, you know, former five-star ACC first team guys who had a really rough 2020 dealing with COVID who are going to be back on the football field. Um, some household names are going to be Xavier Thomas and Justin Foster are two guys we're really happy to, to see back. Tyler Davis, nose tackle, he's going to be healthy um, coming into this season. That's going to be a difference maker. So I think for Clemson, um, you know, you mentioned tempo from the Georgia side. Clearly, Ohio State exposed that. Um, Virginia Tech did that too this last year. South Carolina did this a couple years ago. Um, they were actually able to rack up a number of yards and a number of points against Clemson, which was kind of unheard of for a Will Muschamp team. Um, there were things and there are things you can do from an offensive standpoint to challenge the way that Clemson goes about its business on the defensive play calling side. I know for a fact, though, that Brent Venables has been in the lab, you know, taking a look at how they can not let perfect be the enemy of good in terms of play calls. And I think a big difference maker there is not just BV's approach to getting those play calls in in a more timely fashion to keep up with the offense kind of throwing wrinkles at you. I also think the presence of veterans, Jamie Skalski and Nolan Turner, those guys run their respective cores of the safeties in the middle part of that defense. And those guys were missing from the game a lot during that LSU, Notre Dame and Ohio State game matchups um, due to suspension and due to injury. So I, I think like a lack of depth, a lack of continuity, a lack of experience led to more issues on Clemson's defense. I think they'll get that cleaned up. We got the right guys on the field. So I do feel good about Clemson kind of making up for some of those defensive head scratching performances lately. Um, what that means against Georgia remains to be seen. Um, Georgia's got a new look offense under Todd Munkin pro style. They did have a good run down the stretch last year, as I'm sure you're about to tell me about. Um, and I, I know there's going to be some new wrinkles and aspects of that offense that Clemson's going to have to deal with. Um, but when I look at some of their last four games, definitely Mississippi state was the game you point out as that was really where you saw peak JT Daniels and that offense fire in all cylinders. Um, but when I look at the defenses they faced, um, you know, in terms of advanced stats, that kind of thing, Mississippi State, South Carolina, and, and Mizzou are like 75th in the country or worse defensively. Cincinnati, they're a top five defense. And Georgia did put up 24. There were some defensive points on the board in that game. You know, there were a lot of the, a lot of that had to do with what the defense was giving you from Georgia. Um, so in my mind, for JT to prove it against what we believe to be a top five caliber defense in Clemson, with probably better playmakers than what Cincinnati had, 
Um, I'm still in kind of prove it mode for the JT Daniels experience. Doesn't mean he can't do it. George has got a lot of talent. I, I'm um, maybe not taking all kinds of comfort in the guys that won't be playing. Cause I know y'all have five stars replacing those guys. So, um, you know, I, I, I want to give you a chance cause I've laid a lot out here. Um, I guess my feeling when Clemson, when George has got the football is the key to victory here is if they can get pressure on JT Daniels and make him make mistakes. He is prone to putting balls at risk of interception or being picked off or disrupted. And I think one turnover here and there can make the difference in what's going to be a tight game. Absolutely. I think you look at it both ways, right? Like we, we've talked about it before, right? Uh, whoever can limit turnovers the best, right? Make the most out of turnovers when you get them is going to win this game. That's a, that's a key factor to win this game. You know, but looking on offense, right? It, you know, what you brought up, it, it's valid. Uh, you look at the prove it mentality, right? You see 400 yard games from uh, JT first game back. That's great. You know, but you play a Mississippi State team that had a porous defense, right? You know, when you see you see Cincinnati, you see the struggles that we had, you know, but really turned around the defense, shut them down and gave our offense enough chance to get back in the game. You know, so, you know, obviously I think it's a team faceted game, right? That's why you can't just win from an offense. You have to have, you know, you have to be versed in all three phases of the game. You know, but one of the things that I am curious about is it I think it is a proof it game. Uh, you know, what? You know, obviously you have a full off season now. You know, that's not an excuse anymore. Last year, you sure, you could say that. Uh, you know, last year, JT not being healthy, uh, you know, until later in the season, you could use that as an excuse if you choose to. You can't do that now. You've had a full off season to recover, uh, get your legs better, right? You know, obviously that knee was a question mark coming into his uh, last four games. You can't, that's not an excuse anymore. You have to, now you have to sit here and prove it. Uh, and Clemson is going to be that really a true litmus test of what our offense can become. You know, we want to see the potential, right? You saw the potential at Mississippi State. You saw, you know, you saw dominance at South Carolina, right? You saw balance with, uh, you know, you saw balance with Missouri. You saw, you saw grit against Cincinnati. Those four games, you know, you saw facets, you know, each of the four facets, in my opinion, four quadrants, if you want to say, you know, to make a complete offense, you know, and a complete dominating team, and especially from the offensive side of the ball. And that's something that Georgia hasn't had. We've had a dominant run game, but not a true passing, uh, you know, pass-happy offense. If you can balance the two to create that dominant, you know, that overall just, you know, kind of like a, a, a Alabama team where they just constrict you, right? They get ahead and get a couple – uh, scores right whether it be 10 points 14 points and then they just squeeze you they squeeze the life yeah. out of you you know that's something that Georgia fans I think have been waiting to see you know obviously the past you know the past uh, happy style offense you know not discrediting the run because you still need it but definitely seeing that past happy offense if we can execute you know I think that's going to be a sight to Georgia's eyes I, I can't wait to see it I hope that we can do that but it, like I said we've said this several times before so far you have to keep them upright. Keep, you know, obviously keep the clean pocket pass protection is going to be key. You're looking at Cedric Von Prawn, probably going to get your start at center. All right. Warren Erickson's hand injury is probably going to limit him there. You know, but then you could possibly see a guy like Amarius Mims start at left tackle. And if you do that, look, I love Mount Mims. I love his potential. I think he's going to be the future for Georgia at the left tackle position, kind of similar to an Andrew Thomas, uh, you know, situation. But look, this is this for your first game. You couldn't ask for a more difficult challenge. But I think if he comes, if he trots out there at left tackle, 
I think Amarius Mims will be up for the challenge, but he's got his hands full. And obviously you can't hide a weakness at left tackle. You can do that with a right guard. You can do that with, you know, interior offensive linemen. You can't do that with against a right tackle or a left tackle. You just can't do it. But, you know, looking at it right here, I think, you know, obviously it all starts at the offensive line, keeping JT upright, giving him the time to make the plays, make the throws when you need it, uh, let the plays develop, right? You know, JT's not as good out of the pocket. He can be. He's just not as good as you're going to see with DJ. Uh, You know, Georgia, that's something that we have to do. We have to keep him in the pocket. You have to keep DJ in the pocket. You just have to. Um, Kid can make great plays out of the pocket. It it makes him almost a better quarterback, really. Um, You know, but JT is not as mobile. Not saying that he can't make plays. We saw him roll out. We saw him make passes on the run, right? So he can do these things. You know, but he's more of a sit there and let plays develop, kind of a true pro style. So I'm I'm looking forward to execution, right, against an elite team. You know, there's no excuses this year. You know, you can say your injuries. We're loaded at receiver. People just might just not realize how much depth Georgia has at receiver. That's quality, in my opinion. And there's no excuses. You, you're a team, you know, Clemson's a team that's a, a national title contender year in and year out. Georgia has the expectations for that. We have to hold ourselves accountable as such. You can't make excuses. You have to go out there and you have to execute no matter what color of uh, jersey is against you on the other side. Yeah, and it, you know, if George is successful keeping that aggressive Clemson front from getting home and Brent Venables asked to bring the blitz, either way, um, I think if I was game planning and how I'd go about attacking Clemson, um, I think it is trying to put our safeties in conflict and put our linebackers in conflict in the passing game, you know, making sure, making them make the right coverage plays, take the right angles. Um, that sort of thing has been a challenge for the Clemson defense to prove itself. Um, I think I'm banking on our defensive front getting home and getting home without blitzes and without, without, you know, unique pressure. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I would do in terms of kind of trying to test this defense is um, in the passing game and in the intermediate passing game with linebackers. I would say also Clemson seems to struggle against tight ends. Um, I know Arik Gilbert and um, Darnell Washington are going to be out for this game. That is an advantage to Clemson. I, I also imagine Georgia has good talent backing them up and behind them. So we do. Um, that'd be another way, another way I would look at it, but um, you know, maybe what we could do as a pivot here to projections um, I'm taking my chances on Clemson's defense, you know, being able to limit JT Daniels to create that pressure um, and to not get too exposed in the back end. So um, in terms of my, you know, as I build to my score projection here, I think I'd be surprised if, if we saw Georgia put up 28 points or more in this game. Um, I do think they will be able to, you know, create on the ground. I think that's even in our best defensive years. Um, that's been something Brent Venables teams have been willing to cough up between the 20s. Um, but I could see some a number of Georgia drives ending in field goals. Um so anyway, th- that's kind of my feeling on that side of the ball. And then it's going to be tricky on Clemson's side to generate consistent offense if we're not able to effectively run the football or effectively move the chains you know, in the intermediate passing game. So I do think we'll have some success with that. I don't think it's going to be a, you know, a party for Clemson's offense all night. Um, so as I kind of kick this score around and you know, I, I go back and forth on this every single day leading up to this, this football game Saturday, um, I am expecting scores. You know, I, I think I'm going to go ahead and say like 28 Clemson, 24 Georgia. 
Um, could see it going under that. If there were a team on this in this matchup that could win by double digits or could win by two to three scores, I do see it as potentially being Clemson if they are able to get um, explosive plays against a young, inexperienced Georgia secondary. Um, but that would require our offensive line or our running backs and pass pro to hold up. So I'm not predicting you know a blowout win for Clemson, but I think if a blowout does happen, that outcome would favor Clemson in this one. But I'm expecting you know a tight one-score game, three, four points. I'm I'm with you 100 percent there. I look at you know you look at it throughout history, right? In the past five years, six years uh, with Clemson, right? The teams that beat them are the teams that throw up what 40 points a game, right? Things like that. You look at LSU and Bama, right? You look at those teams right there. Ohio State, you know, those teams have to throw up a lot of points. You know, Georgia, in my opinion, I think could be the team to sit there and limit their off, you know, Clemson's offense and still pull away with a victory. I think that's just because of their testament to their defense, you know, and, and really the ability to truly establish a run game. And I think the balance in the backfield for Georgia could bode well for Georgia because of the fact of, you know, if, if, if things go as what I would like to think, you know, if Clemson wants to sit there and open the box up and wants to, for, you know, force, you know, five, you know, five DB, six DBs, you know, you could see Georgia come in and, and say, look, you're going to give us this. We're going to run down your throat until you force, you know, force guys into the box. Then we're going to push it back out. Right. It's a huge chess match. But to keep things brief, right, we've already had a good at least 45 minutes of discussion, if not more. I'm looking at 28-24, but flip it for Georgia. And honestly, I think Georgia, you know, can pull away 28 points. You mentioned that before. I think the balance is going to be key, but I think the ability to run the ball and keep clocks and keep drives moving, keep the offense off the field for Clemson, is going to be key there because DJ has the potential to light it up if you're not careful and you want to, you know, so I think you, I think you look at 28, 24, Georgia. Uh, yeah, we respectfully uh, picked our sides there. So, um, you know, maybe with that, a, a good thorough review underway. Um, I think we'd be remiss to not comment on, what a treat it is to have a college football playoff caliber game in week one or in the oh, first month absolutely. of the season. Absolutely, We, we saw, haven't we seen saw that happen in week zero. I, I, I'm not sitting there talking was, about that. I'm not doing that. No, no. It was, a, it was a poor reflection on the sport. And honestly, you think back to the marquee matchups, all the kickoff competitions, all that stuff over the last few years. Sure. Georgia played Notre Dame. Alabama played Florida State. Alabama played USC. But really what that ends up being is, a true national championship contender against a middling kind of above average team in their conference. That is not a playoff matchup in the regular season outside of Georgia, you know, outside of an intra-conference game between like a Georgia, Alabama a year ago, you really haven't seen too many playoff caliber matchups happen, you know, across college football. So I think we're lucky to see that happen here. I think both of us wish we I think both of us wish we would have had a month of games under the belt for our team to establish guys in their roles, but that could play into an advantage also, you know, cause the opponent hasn't had that. So yeah. um, I'm excited for this one. I can tell you are too um, trying to enjoy it. It's nerve wracking, but uh, I think we can, we can maybe wrap by just saying, I don't think a loss in this game is an eliminator for either team. You could see a world where Georgia maybe needs it more in terms of their comfort level down the stretch in terms of 
an SEC championship game coming up where they would have to win that to make it in. Or if they do beat Clemson and run the table, then maybe they could suffer a loss in that game and possibly position to make it in. I think for Clemson, if they lose this game, no margin for error down the stretch, but I still feel really good about them going 11 and one, 12 and one with the ACC championship game against probably an inferior opponent. I would look at North Carolina being a a possible threat there. And I know, Obviously, we're, we're talking Carolina and uh, – not Carolina, but uh, Clemson, Georgia. Look, you know, in the ACC, you know, you don't play them until if they make the ACC title. But North Carolina – and I've had a guest recently on my show, and, you know, he's he's very, very high on North Carolina. And, and honestly, with Sam Howell and company, I, I think there's a reason to be. You know, so, you know, obviously, like you said, you know, looking at Georgia, Clemson, whoever loses this, it's going to sting. You don't want to see a loss for either team almost. But, um, you know, I look at it as a must-win game for Georgia, like I said earlier. You know, you, know, yeah. you just look at, you know, there's a potential that you're going to have the same situation that you had in 2018 if you're Georgia, uh, you know, losing one game and then falling out, right? You, we don't want to live through that again. It, we know what it feels like. Texas A&M just did it last year. We know what it's like, and so we have to control our destiny from Saturday on. Well, really, from now on, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah. But definitely come yeah. Saturday, you know, do what you got to do, take care and win the game. And I think that's the mentality for both teams. Well, you just mentioned the word mentality. We we've clocked this matchup, man. Can't say anything more about it. No new new ground to till. I want to talk a little bit for a minute about mentality of our fan bases, kind of where we are. Let's let's take stock here. And I wanted to ask you. I mean, we're the jokes have run their course. I mean, people still make them, but like George hasn't won since 1980. Kirby smart. If you match up his record against Mark Ricks, they look like the same guy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I sort of maintain that Georgia is, you know, they're right there. And in my mind, this is not a, if not now, when Natty or bust, we got to put Kirby on the hot seat if he doesn't win a Natty this season. But that said, the table is kind of set. Like, um, so I'm just curious, like what your perspective is on all that. You can silence the haters if you want, but what's going on between the ears of your average Georgia fan in terms of the Kirby regime? And is this year a must win Natty situation? You know, I I mean, I I kind of take a little bit of a different approach, Uh, you know, from a normal Georgia fan, right? We're tired of hearing the 1980 jokes, right? We, We always feel like we have the talent around us, but we never get it done, right? And there's always that extra fate of luck that has to happen, you know, things like that. I'm not one to believe that. I think you, you know, you look at what we've got Kirby recruiting at one of the top, ta- like one of the top levels you can be, right? Top tier talent, uh, regards to recruiting. You know, you're going to hear the media talk about Georgia underwhelming with the talent that they recruit. Look, I believe that's a load of BS, right? You sit there, you, you know, you have to have those guys to, to be able to sit there and do that. You know, there's also the development part of things as well, right, with three stars like Jordan Davis and, thing, you know, I could go on there, uh, but I'm not going to do that. You know, I, I think, you know, what you're talking about, the stage being set, right now it looks that way, but at the end of the day, you can't you can't put all your eggs in one basket and saying, look, just because of that, you know, this is our year, right? We always want it to be our year, right? But it may just look like right now, you know, it could be our year, and you have that deep underlying feel that it, very well could happen. Um, you know, for me, look, just go out there, play your game of football. You know, I have, I, I believe in Kirby. I really do. 
you know, because if, if you could sit here and listen to people say, oh, if, if Kirby doesn't get this, it's, you know, championship or bust, you know, fire Kirby or some crazy off the wall remarks. My question to that is, who are you going to bring in if you let him go? You, yeah, exactly. I'll sit here and wait for that. So you have to trust him. <laughs> and it does. And I said the table is set like Bama's turning over their quarterback and a lot of their offensive playmakers. Ohio State, too. They do have a lot of playmakers coming back. Yeah. You know, Clemson's got its best two guys gone. So in that sense, the table is set. But I think if you're a Georgia fan, like obviously you, you want to see them compete for that title and, and do it this year. But, but honestly, in trying to build a championship caliber program, the thing that's been missing for Georgia is that offensive identity. If they can at least capture that and make strides in the right direction where, oh, yeah, like they are a, a proven offensive, explosive playmaking type team that could help them pull in additional recruits and that that can help you build toward progress toward a championship so um it's interesting to hear you say like you back kirby like that and um i feel like honestly with Dabo, that's what we wanted to see back in the day it was incremental progress and figuring out different aspects of that team and like proving that he you know nick saban is probably the most uh example most clear example of he used to hate explosive offenses and he was railing against that. And and the the game changed and he saw that with Deshaun Watson and Ole Miss. And he's like, all right, time to change my identity too. So if you can see that out of Kirby, I think he's the right right there. Lane Kiffin was the key there. Right. So anyway, that's really interesting, you know, to, to hear that perspective from the Georgia side. I'll keep it brief on the Clemson side. We're not really in championship or bust. We appreciate this era that we're in. We know, stuff can change in this sport quickly and we try to appreciate and savor it. My thing is like um, when we have this opportunity, when we have the right pieces for a team, I want to go out there and see this team improve upon things and live up to their potential. And I think this year and really every year, the last few, the potential and the ceiling of this team is a national championship. So the last few years have had very disappointing endings. And I think that, and I'm not making excuses for it. We lost a very capable opponents who who just straight up beat us but we did not have our best foot forward in the defensive side of the football and my hope is that this year they can get back to that identity have that health clemson's now starting to recruit at an elite level we're starting to see those guys hit the field so the future is really bright this is a little bit of a transition year um but for us it's just like did we did we grab another elite generational quarterback in dj who can win a title for us i think we did like we're just excited to see this era kick off for him. Yeah, you, I mean, and don't be, don't forget, guys. Like George, I, I'm not one to forget about this or know what you got. Kay Klubnik's gonna be a dude after DJ mm-hmm. leaves. So yeah. you know, y'all are set at quarterback. Typically, have been under Dabo. You know, it's just a matter four of four more seasons, the right, right? Basically, yeah. I mean, you yeah. look at that way right there. You know, look, Kate. If you're not familiar, Clemson or Georgia, go look this guy up. This dude is a true leader. He is a dude. You, if you look at recruiting rankings and you look at Quinn Ewers, yes, he, he dominated that team in the Texas State in the highest level of Texas football. Dominated with, with a separated yeah. shoulder at that. Dominated Quinn Ewers and that South Lake Carroll team. It was insane. You know, Clemson's going to gonna have receivers. Well, absolutely, you know absolutely, receivers. absolutely. Yeah. So you know, look, I I understand what Cade brings to the table. So it's not like Clemson's quarterback production is going to drop off anytime soon. That's just something that we got to get prepared for. You know, we've obviously scheduled 
home and homes coming up in the next few uh, seasons to come. Obviously, don't want to get too far ahead, but uh, you know, I, you know, I like to see you know Clemson stay relevant because the rivalry, right? We didn't talk much about this, but the rivalry yeah, yeah. between Clemson and Georgia when they're elite, it's almost like a North Carolina Duke in basketball. If both teams are yeah. always elite teams, it just makes for a way better game. Doesn't matter if you know if the win or whoever wins or loses. It's one of those classic clashes, if you want to say. Hundred percent. Like the sport has needed more of that of late. I'm glad we're getting it back on the schedule. Um, there's there's a rivalry also not only happening on the football field, but in the fast food game. So we got uh, the NIL sponsorships. DJU from Clemson locking down that Bojangles sponsorship. JT Daniels. He went with Zaxby's. I'm riding with Bojangles. I have to as well. Look, I'm a Bojangles man. Give me yeah. look, their biscuits. You cannot touch their biscuits. Whew, I could go on and on about that. My fat boy mentality. I could go on and on. But look, when it comes to chicken, Bojangles just got it down. It, they, it's just a different level. Yep. I think Zaxby's has fallen off in the last few years. So we'll take that as like a, a, a win within the rivalry, you know, off the field. Um, last thing. I want to send my condolences to Georgia fans. You guys have Will Muschamp, winless against Clemson. I know he's a he's a successful defensive mind and going to help that team, but yeah, you got Muschamp. <laughs> you know, I look at it this way. You know, everybody, and, and I'll kind of keep this very brief. Um, you know, looking at Will Muschamp, great defensive mind. When he's defensive coordinator, I, I loved his defensive output. You know, but everybody bashes him on his head coaching, and, and I could get that. Uh, you know, you put him in from obviously comes in an analyst, you know, uh, uh, Coach Cochran has to leave, uh, take a leave of absence kind of thing with some mental uh, or some you know mental health issues, personal issues, things like that. Look, you step him up, whether it be special teams or whatnot. I still think that that defensive uh, intelligence, right, the you know, the knowledge there is could be beneficial now that you have him as an on field. Now, to your credit, he never did beat him, but he wasn't with the best team to beat Clemson. You, you look at what he had in South Carolina, and eh, it's a different beast when you're at Georgia. 100%. Talent differentials are like massive. I can't hang that only on him either. He didn't do the shopping when he arrived, um, and it was a little bit of a mess. We're not here to talk about the Gamecocks. Just had to get that little ribbon Absolutely. on boom. That's what I we mean, do. Look, 2014, um, last game Georgia Clemson played. We know who won that one. That's right. So we still – there's a very short list of teams that we have not avenged our last loss from George is one of them. So excited to try to get that monkey off our back. Um, this is as good a spot, I guess, to wrap this one as any Robert really appreciate this. It was a lot of fun. We're gonna have to do this again. Thanks for coming on our show. We're happy to come on your show. Absolutely. Um, there. Maybe we'll do this when we match up in the playoffs this year. Hey, that very well, that could very well happen. I'm just going to leave it there. That could very well happen. That'd be cool. Well, um, thank you again. Um, you can find us, the Clemson Podcast, mostly on Twitter. We're also on Facebook, Clemson Podcast on both of those. How about you? You can find the DGD Podcast, social media, basically, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, you, at the DGD Podcast, uh, website, dgdpodcast.com. Uh, check us out, obviously, on YouTube, things like that. That's where you'll catch me live. Uh, Juan Daniels, former wide receiver for the season. Uh, going to be doing previews, reviews Thursday and Friday at noon Eastern time. Awesome. 
Well, great to connect, Robert. Um, let's enjoy this game here and enjoy this football season. And let's catch up again soon. Yes, sir. It's about that damn time, man. Go, go dogs. Go Tigers.